Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 1230 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. So we're talking about, we're continuing the conversation on mental compulsions part Trace, but I, I don't, (laughs) I don't remember where we left off. I do. Honest, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you know. That's okay. We're good. This is why we got each other's backs, my friend. Um, so just yeah, we were gone for a while. Uh, life, life got in the way of us being here, guys. How dare it? Mm -hmm. So rude. But but we're back now. Um, so. In any case, we were talking about, uh, we, we kind of covered all of the different variants of the mental compulsions and our, we were, we, when we left off, we were talking, we wanted to talk more about how to deal with mental compulsions. Right. Yeah. So I thought, I thought we had a few left though. We didn't. I don't think so. Okay. I could be wrong though. No, no. I think you're right. In fact, some of the questions we had were around that is like, how do we build awareness and how do we, um, what do we do with them once we've figured them out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so do we want to, do we want to start? I think that that's actually a really great jumping off point for yeah. how do how do we build awareness is obviously the first step because if we don't have awareness that it's happening, then we can't really intervene on our own behalf. Right. So I have a, I mean, I have a few places, but where to start, but one of them would be knowing actually your triggered content, right? Is saying like, this is content that I typically get tripped up on and I get stuck on. So for example, um, if I'm reading a parent article and parenting and how, you know, parents are going to screw up with their child, I go, oh, my OCD is likely going to get tripped up here. So be aware, be extra mindful, mm. try to be extra present so that you can catch your mind from. Yeah. Yep. That's an excellent point. It's almost like recognizing that you've awoken the beast, right? Mm-hmm. And that, not that, believe me, the, the beast can be awoken by many, many, many things. Right. But you're so right that if, especially if you're in the midst of a spike, knowing that, Ooh, I'm entering a minefield minefield now, you know, this right. is, this is tricky, uh, beyond, beyond alert, not in a, like a high alert kind of way, but, a you know, gentle no, awareness. It is a gentle awareness. I don't actually have to think about it anymore. It's just kind of like, Oh, here, 
here it is. And it may or may not show up, but to be extra mindful. Totally. I, yeah, well, well said. Um, there's lots of ways, but Lauren, you want to well, I, not to sound like, a, cause I feel like I talk about mindfulness. Not, well, we both do all the time. <laughs> right. I, it is. I, the, it is. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's super. I, I think, I think mindfulness meditation can be so important, so helpful because when you're going about your daily life and all of these things are happening, all of these sights and sounds and, you know, people vying for your attention that, it can be harder to see, oh, like, oh, I'm having a thought too. And so creating a space where you're just getting really quiet. I mean, not that it has to be quiet, right? Like it can be, I've, I've meditated. I think I actually mentioned this, uh, on, on my, uh, comment section last week. Like I meditated in a doctor's office last week, right? Like it doesn't have to be super quiet. However, um, the, the very nature of, of sort of shutting, shutting down one of your senses, which often happens by like, I tend to close my eyes. Not everybody does, but also really placing your attention on a, a singular anchor in, in the present moment, like the breath or like sound it, it makes it really clear when you've gone off into thinking. Yeah. Because there's just not much competing for your attention. There's not much nothing else to see here, you know? So all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I'm no longer on my breath. I'm planning my lunch. I guess I maybe should come back. That's, uh, that's not what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Which sounds funny because it's not like planning your lunch is necessarily compulsive, but seeing that helps you clue into any type of thinking. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, when we don't, when we're practicing, starting this practice of mindfulness too, it's a practice. It takes a while to kind of get it on board and integrated. Um, but noticing your emotional reaction to things mm. can be really helpful. It's like, oh, I'm starting to feel anxiety. It's in my chest and being like, oh, it's a gentle, curious mindset of like, what just happened there? Yeah, Not what like, just went oh, through my mind, right? Yeah, what was just gently reflecting and yeah. saying, okay, oh, I just realized I was just catastrophizing about how the whole world's going to come to an end next week when I don't clean my um, windows because I'm not going to be able to see through them and I'm going to kill everybody on the road. Right. No wonder I'm feeling a little bit. Yeah. Angry. <laughs> and it'll all be my fault. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so I just went on this narrative. Like we're coming back to the breath. Yep, yep, exactly. So, I, yeah, I love, I, I love that point about like checking in with yourself and uh, when you're feeling an emotion. It's like it's we can look at the emotions like an alarm system. That doesn't mean that it's always alarming you to what you think it's alarming you to, right? No, it, it's sometimes. Uh, completely independent of the content, but it it is telling you, oh, there's some narrative that's been tripped, triggered up in in my mind, and it, it, potentially, and whether or not that that narrative is a uh, is fact or fiction, that's a different story. Mm. Yeah, emotions are typically really inaccurate, and yep, 
Yep, they are. They they're uh, they got minds of their own. And again, because they are they're it's like Plato's cave, right? With all of the I'm going to butcher this analogy. Here's here's this. Do you remember oh, Plato's cave from philosophy? I'm, yes, I do, but bare but barely. So I won't be able to help you on this, oh, my friend. Oh, well, you if are, anyone you are on your own on the butcher job. <laughs> oh dear. Uh sorry Plato. If anyone is watching and remembers, I, my my recollection is essentially that the the people that you're that or the things that you're seeing outside of the cave that the people inside of the cave are seeing outside of the cave are actually shadows of what's actually occurring outside of the cave. Right. So the, my point in that is that you're not actually reacting to what's happening. You're acting to your, based on your, you're reacting based on your perception of what is happening, your interpretation of what's happening. And that's where being aware of thoughts and thinking is so, so, so important. Yes. I think you did a great job there, actually. Thanks. I'm not sure if that's actually what Plato intended, but, you know. I think he did. Makes sense to me. Good. Yeah. Um, so now, now that we're aware that they're happening, so what do we do with those guys? Well, once we're like, ooh, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, we first have a of all, choice. that is such a good point. You talk about the mm-hmm. choice point, the choice point. Right. Well, it's like you're now you're at a crossroads and you go, oh, I can either take road A or I can take road B. Road A is I keep, keep compulsing. I keep continuing down this road. We all know where it's going to take me. B is... I can either then turn my back on it and come back to something else that's more important in my life. So you have a choice. Then there's this third step, right? So it's like the awareness and then be the second step is choice. And then the third step would be, okay, if I'm going to go down not compulsing road, then how do I redirect and refocus? Yeah, Warren. so attention. Kushball. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so at that point, it is down to you, you've made the choice to walk down path B. Well, what in the world is path B? It is, and this is where values and goals play such an important part in the recovery process because we don't want to just refocus on anything because that starts to become compulsive. It becomes avoidant almost. Like, Uh, I think of a difference and I'm sure I've talked about it on here before. I know you and I have talked about it between distracting and refocusing our attention, uh, distracting, uh, at least the, the connotation from my perspective has always been, Ooh, like I want to, I just want to get that thought away. So I'm going to do this thing so that I don't think about that, which doesn't work. Instead, it's highly ineffective. Mm Mm-hmm can, can confirm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, once, oh shoot. Whoa. It went, it, where'd my train go? So, uh, once we (laughs) toodle, so once we've redirected and we go, okay, we're going to use values to redirect. And I was talking about refocusing versus distracting. So the refocusing piece is really coming back to what, and what you said before, which is what matters more to you, 
then figuring out, you know, whatever question it is that's on, on the chopping block today, courtesy of OCD. Mm. So, and that can be anything that can be, I'm watching this TV show and I'm enjoying it. So, okay, you can keep inviting me to have a conversation with you and I'm going to keep refocusing on watching the characters and noticing what they're saying and that it's not to the exclusion of the thoughts coming up. It's actually making space for them, but they don't get to be the central focus of, of my life basically. Right. And um, this goes into another question that someone asked that I read earlier, which is it, we're not going we're not going to get rid of the anxiety in doing that. Like you're going to be watching that movie and I promise you, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. (laughs) So, yep. And then OCD is going to be like, like a annoying kid, brother or sister going like, Hey, right. Hey, hey, just testing further. (laughs) Don't forget this might happen. Yeah. And upping the game too. And saying things like, okay, well now you're doing this. So, whoa, it must really be that you really want to do that thing. So since you're not bothered by it. So it's really going to try to invite you times 10. Yep. And it's not an easy process. Um, People get really frustrated early on and they go, I'm doing all the things and it's still there. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's what it, that's what recovery looks like. That's what treatment looks like. It's, I don't want to spread this illusion that somehow we're going to get rid of intrusive thoughts and feelings of anxiety. They will always be there. Always. You're just going to make them worse when you, (laughs) (laughs) when you try and get rid of them. When you do Uh, road A. Yeah. Road A. Yeah. There's not, it's not a good road. Um, Yeah. I think that it's, it's interesting too. We, we, I'm sure you've had a bunch of clients say the same thing is once they get it, once they've been practicing it for a while, it becomes, there's almost a, a light bulb moment of like, Oh, I get it. I don't have to get rid of these things in order to have a better life. Um, and, but there's a, a paradigm shift that happens in treatment that the only way to it is by taking action differently. Right. And by running toward the thoughts and the feelings, it's, it's tough, but when it does, it's like, Oh yeah, I didn't believe that I could actually feel better with these thoughts and feelings in tow. Like I didn't think that that was a possibility, but now I see that it is, but yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's not an easy road, but it's not. And it's quite frustrating to be honest. And I think if somebody deals with like obsessing on obsessing, it mm-hmm. becomes really frustrating in this, this part of treatment where they're very much hooked into and doing all the things it's still there. And you're like, yes, yep. we know. And they go, yes, I know that we, I know I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> okay. Keep yeah. going. You know, Keep going. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. But it is, absolutely worthwhile and it's doable and it gets so much easier with practice with practice. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Totally. It's, 
So in terms of the other thing I think is really important and that we're kind of speaking toward with mental compulsions is that it's not a matter of eradicating them. You are going to do mental compulsions. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're not like Tibetan Buddhist monks sitting (laughs) on a, a mountain with no distractions and we spend our whole life practicing mindfulness. We're going to get pulled. Yeah. Well, not that and they I, don't. They do. I too, have to imagine they must, but yeah, they, maybe of course not. they do. Maybe they've transcended somewhere, but yeah. Well, right. But I think the average person is going to be pulled a lot more. A lot. Yeah. And that's okay. I, I think the reason I wanted to speak about this specifically, because I'm, I know we both see this all the time is people are like, well, I'm not, I'm doing it wrong because they keep coming back. That's not what's supposed to be happening. And it's, no, no, it's, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. And every time they come back, it's another opportunity to refocus on what matters to you. Yep. Um, but if, if you think you've failed, if you've gotten caught up in, in some sort of a ruminative process, then you're going to then sort of jump into beating up on yourself for having done so when the likelihood is that you got caught in it unintentionally. Yeah. Cause there's all sorts of stuff going on up here all the time. And I would even argue that it's an opportunity of growth of saying, oh, so I guess growth in two ways. One, there's a confidence aspect, right? Of like, okay, that was really triggering. I spent a ton of time in rumination and I wasn't even truly aware of it. So I was still, I was still able given that circumstance to get out and unstuck and prove that I can do a huge comeback. So there's the confidence aspect. Yeah. Then there's this also this aspect of like, Hey, look, I, um, forgot what I was going to say. That's what happened. I was so gone. I was gone. Um, I so understand this man. Oh, that you built, yeah, I know that you've built awareness into the fact that that, that might be a new insight into where you can get caught. Yes. Yep. And this is where, and I know we, we talked about this with Jenna a little bit, like this is where OCD treatment can really start to generalize to lots of different areas of your life that, you can start to see, oh, I'm engaged in this thinking pattern that's really not serving me, that has nothing to do with anxiety. Maybe yeah. it's just chewing on something over and over again, like a conversation that you had with somebody and you're not, you're not coming up with what action you're going to take differently or how you're going to you know, set a boundary or have a discussion. Instead, you're just chewing and, you know, getting more and more upset. Oh, well, that's an opportunity, right? Like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I don't, want to do that. Maybe I want to instead make the choice. I actually posted about this in my stories today, like to set a boundary and and say something, which can also be anxiety provoking, but Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Asking for your needs. Don't do that. No, that's like scary business. (laughs) That's almost as scary as the OCD exposure. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm aware of time. Should yep. we, uh, I don't, I'm going to check for questions. I don't know that. Do we have any additional to what we've already covered? Let me just look. Okay. 
I did see somebody say something. The problem is just for those of you who are new here, uh, when you're, when you type things, we don't really see them because they go by really fast in the comments section. So if somebody had a question that, that didn't get answered. Oh yeah. I, the, I need to finish my thought. You can put it in the question mark box. Um, I think we pretty much answered all of them. Brilliant. So, um, somebody, this one of them though, maybe we can answer and then we probably have to wrap up, but yeah, they said what to do when your brain is very loud at night. Um, and you're trying to sleep. <clears throat> so how would you, how would you start my friend? <laughs> Asking like, the person who doesn't sleep. Okay. Okay. No, I, yeah, I can, no I'm happy true. to. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the reality is, is that sometimes we have to accept that they're there and to still choose not to convulse and to still feel anxious and to still maybe not sleep and get up and do something else like read a book. And that's a choice of values, right? Which is like these steps of like, okay, I notice that they're very loud. I notice it's happening. I'm not, I'm choosing not to compulse. I am trying to sleep, but maybe it's too loud in bed in silence. So maybe I'm going to get up and read a book all the while it's still going to be going off, right? We're not trying to run away from it. There's so it's like, choose your own adventure here. Again, it's like, there's so many ways you can um, come at this. But for me personally, I, I have, I know Lauren, you feel a lot of anxiety in the morning and I have a lot of anxiety at night. I mean, I, we all have anxiety all the time, but sure, that's tends to be when mine's on fire. Yep. Yep. We're on the opposite ends of the day in terms thank, of winter anxiety. <laughs> Someone has to take care of us. No, I I think that that's spot on. And I, so I think you're right. Generally, there's a period of time where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying to fall asleep. Um, and I'm, that's where I think, again, mindfulness meditation becomes so helpful because you can essentially meditate your way to sleep, um, by continually focusing on your present moment experience. That being said, it is challenging. It is hard. And if after a while you're not falling asleep, you don't, need to stay in bed just like with your thinking all night, you can go do something else. Generally to your point, something more sedentary, like reading a book or, you know, maybe watching a show. Although, you know, all of the blue light is probably not great either. So, um, yeah. so, well, anything other than ruminating might be, I would say a good choice. Generally. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, so, for sure. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Sleep. Mm, that's a whole nother conversation. Maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. And for the person who's listening to, if you have a tendency toward insomnia, which not everyone in that circumstance would, uh, CBTI can be really helpful. Uh, that's cognitive behavioral therapy specifically for insomnia. Right. They're going to tell you a lot of what we already tell you, but through the lens of sleeping. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, friend. All right, friend. um, Next Monday is 4th of July. Oh my gosh, that's right. 
So I'm that not sure. Right. We'll yeah, we probably won't probably won't be meeting. Um, and we've got the conference that uh, that weekend. So otherwise, we would probably try to make it up on the back end. But I don't think that's going to happen next week, folks. So you can expect to hear from us July 11th. I want to say is that right? Yeah, the following well, Monday, whenever yes. that is. Se- seven days after July 4th would be July 11th. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, All right. everybody, have a great week. Take good care, guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD. OCD.